the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're continuing our survey of Romans today and our series, Can a Sinner Ever Be Right with God? That's a question that's demanding just over a week of our time here on Truth For Today. How can a sinner ever be right with God? That seems like a simple answer to a simple question. But the profoundness of it all really has us captivated as we take a look at that answer here in Romans chapter 3. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing our survey of Romans. We find ourselves once again in chapter 3 and verse 27. With today's broadcast of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. If you promised it, you have the power to perform it. So I will just believe you can do what you said. You see, faith is the only thing you could ever do without doing anything. You believe what another can do. It's not faith in what you can do. And in God's salvation and in this being declared right before God, he's saying, would you believe that I can do what I said I can do? That if you will believe me, that's all I'm asking you to do is to believe me. And in Romans, would you please believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that I can perform and do what I say? That's all I'm asking in cooperation with me. I'll do the performance of it. I'll do the payment of your sin. But you must believe me to appropriate it. I will not give it to you if you say, I'm a liar. If you refuse my son, you will get none of the benefits of my son's death. Faith alone, apart from works. When you believe God, not based upon your character. Now this, we want to see, this is a great problem right here. This is one of the greatest theological problems in the world. How can a just God declare a wicked man right? You don't have the problem because you're not God and you don't have a perfect character. But they even told the judges of the Old Testament, you must not declare the guilty right or you'll be a crooked, crooked judge. Then God comes over here and says, I declare the ungodly while they are ungodly to be right in my sight. He didn't tell Abraham, get your act together, join a good church, get baptized, start tithing. And by the way, quit drinking. And he didn't say any of that stuff. He believed God. And at that moment, God declared him to be right. How can God do that? Uh, There's a little word here. Right in verse 3. He believed God and it was credited. Some translations make it reckoned. If you don't like that, just say, lo gizomai. 
Do you like that? I like the, that's, it just sounds good. It's the word logizomai. You know, when I say reckon, I just think of uh, my dad's people. I reckon so. But it's a little bit uh, deeper than I reckon so. It is to put to your credit. It is the theological word, and I hate to give it to you because you might learn something. And who wants to learn anything? Church. Just make me feel good. If you'll learn something, you'll feel good. Got to change your thinking to change your moods. When you learn to think right, you'll learn how to feel right. The reason you feel bad all the time is you're so screwed up in your thinking. You're not thinking straight. That's what he says in Romans. God saved you to straighten out the way you think about God and yourself. Pastor Rollins said something in our elder deacons meeting yesterday. He said, few men ever have a right perspective of their own life because the only mirror they look in is the mirror of themselves. They don't really know what they are. And they're afraid to ask because everybody won't agree. So we all have warped views of ourselves. And please don't tell me any different. (laughs) I'm confused and don't break my prejudice. Well... Uh, what he's really doing here that God imputes, there's the word, he imputes or he puts to your account, it's a bookkeeping term, he puts to your credit a righteousness not your own. Now, here's the debate. You haven't studied this. You don't need to. Read John Murray. Read John Owens. I'll give you three other books if you want to study it for extracurricular activity. And give you the reason that many took the verse, the faith was credited as righteousness. That my faith gives me a status of righteous because God credits my faith. He's so impressed with my faith that that is the thing he imputes to my account. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. My faith is the instrument by which I lay hold of our another righteousness. And you remember what he said in the beginning of this book? In the gospel, a righteousness from God is being offered. Not God's divine attribute, but a gift of righteousness. And he says that in 517. I'm offering you a gift of righteousness. If I believe, God will give me a righteousness, not my own. Well, whose righteousness is it? Over and over, the righteousness that I get is the righteousness of another, no, no one less than God the Son. For 1 Corinthians one thirty says, he has become our righteousness. Paul says in Philippians 3.9, I want to be found in him having a righteousness not of my own, but the righteousness that comes through faith. Faith is not the righteousness, it's the hand that lays hold of it. It's Christ. Listen to this verse. For God made him, Christ, and it's this word reckon, to be sin for us. Was Christ ever an actual sinner? No. But God at the cross charged Christ with our sins. For God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Like the scapegoat in the Old Testament. One goat was slain in front of the people. And the other was taken out into Azazel. The wilderness. Taken out far enough that it can never find its way back to the camp. 
So Christ bore our sin away. And God rode over and transferred our sin to Christ on the cross that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God puts to our credit a righteousness, not our own. It's the righteousness of his son. Well, how did you get it put to your account? I just believed God. And he put to my credit a righteousness, not my own. So that God is free now to treat me as he treats his own dear son. For according to Galatians 3, I'm clothed in the son. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, I am complete in the Son. Have you ever gone to counseling and you've been told you need self-love? You need to spend your, your children's inheritance? You need to go out, maybe have an affair? You need to do something for yourself. You need self. We've got to get self. If you could ever see that you are thoroughly acceptable now in God's sight, as much as he accepts his son, your acceptance search should be over. If God accepts you, who cares what others think? If you're accepted by the expert, everybody else is just confused. You've already been accepted. Or have you not? Or is God an expert? Well, God just doesn't know all your faults. Friend, he knows what you look like in the shower. And when you start getting as old as some of us, you don't need mirrors anymore. Gravity is doing its work. He knows you through and through. And when you believe, justification says, you lay hold of a righteousness that is not your own. He says, Abraham, I'm going to impute to you Though you're ungodly, a righteousness, not your own. His faith is credited as righteousness. Now he goes to anybody of all people, God, you should not have brought David. Here we got the perfect model by the rabbis of the sinless man. And you know they can't defend David. There's too much newsprint on him. He's been exposed. But the rabbis didn't write Romans 4. God did. He wants you to see the other part. When you're declared right before God, he will not charge you with your sins. Look, David says the same thing that an ungodly man could be right with God when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Boy, Catholics and Protestants all over this country are trying to get right based on works. Aren't they? Just work, 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 work. Trying to, to earn something that you could only get by faith. Then he says, Psalms 32. David is repenting in Psalm 32 of his sin. We don't know if it's Bathsheba, but... He's dealing with sin there, and he's overwhelmed with grief. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. Now, what if you read it this way? Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. And then just write, and who are they? Just put that. Who are they? Leave it alone. Whoever it is, it'd be a blessed condition, right? Blessed are they whose sins are covered, whoever they are. 
Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Who in the world is that? We, me. It is the one who puts faith in Christ. The negative side of being declared righteous, God not only gives you a positive righteousness, but he's going to eliminate everything negative you've ever done from view so that God says when you put faith in Jesus Christ, your transgressions are forgiven, sent away. Your transgressions are covered, atoned for, and you are not going to be charged with your sin. That is one of the greatest things. I wish I could scream. I mean, this, this is it. This is, if this is anybody else but God, just cut out the line. But God says, if you'll put faith in Jesus Christ, I won't charge you with any sin you've ever done against me. Is that what it says? Well, let's ask a question. What about that sin you did this week? What did God do with that? It, it didn't cover that one, did it? At least you hope so. Because we all have got this. He forgave me up to the time, I believe. But what about that? Anybody have a good fight with your wife this week? Don't raise your hand. Please, please put that hand back down. That's rhetorical. Don't answer. Carolyn could make the first service. Did you know that according to 1 John 1, the reason God forgives you when you confess your sin is not because he's merciful? Do you know why he said he'll forgive you? He's faithful and just. He does it out of justice. And so when you sinned last week, you cussed, you got out of hand in traffic, you got angry uncontrollably, you did something that was sin, whatever. And then you come up to God and say, well, I, 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 I did it. And I know you can never forgive me. And I, I know I'm not worthy. And, I'm not. and he said, you're right. You're not. You're ungodly brute. You've been saved 15 years. You're still a mess. But Lord, I, I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. All sin is intentional. You meant it. Uh, well, I, I just, well, uh, 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 Lord, I did it. I know it. Well, what are you going to do about it, Lord? Well, I'm faithful. And I'm just to keep my promise in justification. If you just name it to me, that's all you got to do to keep up with me, keep your accounts on sin and right and wrong, keep you in experiential fellowship but I'm going to forgive you and I'm not going to forgive you because I'm partial to you or you're one of my favorite kids or that you were right. I have justly dealt with what you did last week at the cross and it's been thoroughly paid for. I'm not going to cover you. It's covered. Now, now here's the danger. Here's the danger. Well, if it's covered, let's go out and paint the town red. Let's do it. Come on, it's already covered. I've been wanting to get with it. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. If he hasn't done a work in your heart to want to do right, go ahead and paint the town, but don't count on justification. You don't know him. 
I was afraid of believing this stuff as a good old um, holiness boy because we, uh, uh, we thought anybody that taught you were secure, that you were saying they were secure to sin and live like the devil, and they still were going to go to heaven. So I was always being warned as I was going this way by those preachers and those associates I ran with. Says, this is going to lead to a life of license. You're going to, you're going to go out into sin. They, the big sin they were afraid of, for some reason, they thought I was going to start uh, playing pool. <laughs> Which I found nothing wrong with that. I had bigger ones than that in mind. If I were going to do something, it's going to be more than here to use a cue stick. You know, a guy accused me of stealing one time. I said, oh, no, I couldn't have. Because if I'm going to be charged, I'm going to steal a lot more than what's involved. Let's go big. Luther said, love God with all your heart and sin boldly. You can't do both at the same time. You can't love God and pull off sin easily. And so they always were warning me, you're going to do this. You're going to fall. Because they said, this breeds, this grace kind of, that's going to breed. There's no restraints. It just open season, live like the devil, and God's not going to charge you anyway. Well, there's more to salvation than being declared right. He regenerates and changes the heart so that you start serving God, not just because you're afraid of him, but because you've come to find the beauty in him. You want to do things right just because you love him. And you who are saved know it. And I don't care what tradition you're from. You want to serve him because you love him. I want to read uh, something to you because I cannot get it right. William R. Newell, uh, a great Bible teacher that was at Moody for years, uh, who wrote the song at Calvary, Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not that it was for me he died at Calvary. Mercy was there and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me at Calvary. Well, William R. Newell was holding uh, uh, Bible lessons at the Century Theater in St. Louis. And he taught on the ungodly man could be right with God. And this is his words. I quote, it's found in his commentary on Romans Years ago in the city of St. Louis, I was holding noon meetings in the Century Theater. One day I spoke on this verse, To him that worketh not, but believeth in him who justifieth the ungodly, his faith is reckoned unto him for righteousness. After the audience had gone, I was addressed by a fine-looking man of middle age who had been waiting alone in a box seat for me. He immediately said, I am Captain And he suspends the name, a man very widely known in the city. And when I sat down to talk with him, he began, you are speaking to the most ungodly man in St. Louis. I said, thank God. What? He cried. Do you mean you are glad that I am bad? No, I said, but I'm certainly glad to find a sinner that knows he is a sinner. Oh, you do not know the half. I've been absolutely ungodly for years and years and years right here in St. Louis. I own two Mississippi steamers. Everybody knows me. I am just the most ungodly man in town. I could hardly get him to quiet enough to ask him, did you hear me preach on ungodly people today? 
Mr. Newell, he said, I've been coming to these noon meetings for six weeks. I do not think I've missed a meeting, but I, I cannot tell you a word of what you said today. I did not sleep last night. I've hardly had any sleep for three weeks. I've gone to one man after another to find out what I should do. And I do not, and I do what they say. I've read the Bible. I've prayed. I've given money away. But I am the most ungodly wretch in this town. Now, what do you tell me to do? I waited here today to ask you that. I've tried everything, but I'm so ungodly. Now, I said, we will turn to the verse I preached on. I gave the Bible into his hands, asking him to read aloud. To him that worketh not. But he cried, how can this be for me? I am the most ungodly man in St. Louis. Wait, I said, I beg you to go on reading. So he read, to him that worketh not. But believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. There, he fairly shouted, that's what I am, ungodly. Then this verse is about you, I assured him. But please tell me what to do, Mr. Newell. I know I'm ungodly. What shall I do? Read the verse again, please. He read, to him that worketh not. And I stopped him. There I said, the verse says not to do. And you want me to tell you something to do. I cannot do that. But there must be something to do. If not, I shall be lost forever. Now listen with all your soul, I said. There was something to do, but it has been done. Then I told him how that God had so loved him all ungodly as he was, that he sent Christ to die for the ungodly, and that God's judgment had fallen on Christ, who had been forsaken of God for his Captain G's sins. There on the cross. Then I said, God raised up Christ and sent us preachers to beseech men, all ungodly as they are, to believe on this God who declares righteous the ungodly, on the ground of Christ's shed blood. He suddenly leaped to his feet and stretched out his hand to me. Mr. Newell, he said, I will accept that proposition. And off he went without another word. The next day at noon at the opening of the meeting, I saw him beckoning me to the wings of the stage. I went to him. May I say a word to these people, he asked. I saw his shiny face and gladly brought him in. I said to the great audience, friends, this is Captain G, whatever, whom most, if not all of you know, he wants to say a word to you. I want to tell all of you the greatest proposition I ever found, he cried. I'm a businessman and I know a good proposition, but I found one yesterday that so filled me with joy that I could not sleep a wink all night. I found out that God, for Jesus Christ's sake, declares righteous any ungodly man that trusts him. I trusted him yesterday. And you all know what an ungodly man I was. I thank you all for listening to me. But I felt I could not help but tell you this wonderful proposition that God should count me righteous. 
I have been such a great sinner. This beloved man lived many years in St. Louis, an ornament to his confession. A great sinner and a great God that can declare you righteous. That brings us to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard as we have been working our way through Romans. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.